this series, we're actually talking about finances because the whole, the church as whole, needs to be whole, and that's W-H-O-L-E. And finances is a huge aspect because finances, they distract us. They keep us sometimes paralyzed. They keep us stressed sometimes. They keep us, uh, keep us fo- from focusing on all God has created us to do and be. And that ultimately distracts from our purpose here on earth. And, and it's hard for us to say, uh, kingdom come, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's hard for us to say that and live in such stretched financial bondage that most Christians actually live in. And so how can we say on earth as it is in heaven, because heaven is a full of abundance, it's full of grace, and it's full of measure. Well, I don't feel that. So what's the difference? Well, the gap between the abundance in heaven and the abundance on earth is really not that much. It's just perspective. And I want to break that down a little bit. And it's our perspective. It's our perspective, our understanding. And sometimes it's breaking cultural understandings, family culture, uh, race culture. Sometimes it's even breaking a spiritual understandings that are within Scripture itself. Sometimes it's just breaking bondage of generations. And so that is, has a lot of ties to it as well because of poverty. And we all come out of a poverty, uh, poverty family for the most part because the 30s was a, a, a time of depression. It was an era of depression, but it was also the time where America said, we will never be this poor again. So while there was also poverty, there was also inner vows saying, we will never. And anytime you say you'll never, there's something that attaches to that season or that thing that you say you will never. And so sometimes it, it, it's a positive, and most oftentimes it's a negative. Now, uh, there's a lot in that, and and I can't really break that all down in one message, and so we're going to spend some time in a message series doing that. Uh, I started it last week, but I'm telling you, I don't remember what I said last week. (laughs) I took a Mucinex, and I was uh, out of it. I I was struggling just to get the message out of me, and uh, there was a lot of spiritual warfare in this this, uh, message, and there was a lot leading up to this message series. And in fact, the only message series that I've ever had that uh, spiritual warfare in any level like that since we planted the church was last year when we talked about being uh, the generous life. But in that paradigm, we were talking about, one, understanding how the tithe actually blesses you and it belongs to God. We're going to cover a little bit about that because we're going to trudge back a little bit and plow forward. But that understanding was really new for a lot of people, and really grasping what God says about that was really new for a lot of people. And so what happens is when there's spiritual warfare, it's because you're pushing boundaries back where the, 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 the kingdom of God is not quite set because of his people. So I want to say it this way, the gates of hell have prevailed right there. And the gates of hell are not pushing. There's just boundaries around our lives that we have yet to push into. Yet God's word says that the gates of hell shall not prevail. Therefore, we have to push into things of God's word and faith pretty strong sometimes. And whenever there's tight areas of bondage in that area, there's a lot of resistance, which is what we call spiritual warfare. And scripture would refer to as spiritual warfare. And so you should always be walking in spiritual warfare. And, if, and sometimes it's light, sometimes it's baby warfare, and sometimes it's big daddy warfare. And so when it talks about finances, because Jesus says you can only serve, you can only serve one God, and he only refers to two, he didn't give you a whole realm of them. He refers to either mammon or God. And so that would mean mammon's a pretty strong spirit. And when mammon has an attachment, there's going to be a lot of warfare connected because mammon doesn't want you to get, get a hold of what God's blessings are when it comes to finances. Mammon has its roots in money. 
It comes from Babylon. It comes from the time of slavery, the thought of slavery, bondage. And, and unfortunately, a lot of Christians and a lot, most of America is in bondage to money. And there's a paradigm that can be shifted in real quickly to see that I don't have to be in bondage to money, but I can actually have bondage where I have finances working for me. And so now I just want to preface that because of the horrible job I felt like I did last week. I came out of this. I was like, as soon as I was driving out of the parking lot, Satan was like, well, you didn't do very well that time. And immediately, immediately, my thought back, my response back was, well, my identity is not lost in my performance. Because Satan will try to destroy you in how you perform or what you do, but not if he can't get to who you are. And if you're, who you are is not grounded in Christ, you will be shaken. You got it? Okay, so here's where we're going. We got to have that identity in Christ so we won't be shaken in all of this. So we're talking about this week, we're talking about who's the owner. Who's the owner? It's very important we talk about who's the owner because that's the foundation of living this blessed life. And remember, in the blessed life, the blessed living beyond is truly living a life that we can be a blessing. There's a difference. There's one that says to be blessed. But there's another one that says to be a blessing. And that's when we have to get down to who the owner is. It's not talking about materialism. It's not talking about hyper-prosperity message. I, I would never confuse you with that. I would never go there. It's not even my heart. In fact, I don't even believe in the hyper-prosperity message. But I don't believe in a poverty gospel either. I believe that God wants us to live a life that we can be a blessing. And so in order to live a blessed life and then live beyond to where we're beyond blessed, we've got to get this foundation. And that foundation is ownership. It's not just stewardship. It's not just stewardship, but it's ownership as well. It's the foundation of ownership. And it, because you will never be a good steward until you understand who the owner is. There's going to be a lot of paradigm shifting in this. When I put myself out of the place and I put myself away from this thing and I realize I'm not the owner, now I can see it from a place of I'm responsible to steward this thing, okay? So be patient with yourself as you're shifting your paradigm throughout this. Because here's the question. Is the money in your account yours? Let's talk a little bit about that. So number one point here is it all belongs to God. Not just the tithe. It all belongs to God. Psalms 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Psalm 50, 10 through 12 say this. It says, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains, and, all the, wild, and the wild beasts of the field, they're mine. Get this. He says, If I were hungry, I would not tell you. I'm guessing he realizes you wouldn't give to feed him anyway. I wouldn't tell you, for the world is mine, and it's in the fullness, and all of its fullness. It's all mine. It's all his, he says. It's all his. And you've got to get this revelation if you're going to get it. Like, you've got to get the fact that you can work for it. You can earn it. Your name can be on the deed of your house. The name can be on the title of your car. But if you're a believer, you've got to understand that it all belongs to God. It all belongs to God. I want to give you a little testimony, and Allie and I, a couple of weeks ago, or leading up to, we were talking about our ability to be able to give so much and be so generous since we've been married. 
uh, we get, last year, I think, a year and a half ago, we gave a car away, and it was like, oh, this is a, this is a stretch for us. And, and as soon as you start to decide in your heart, you're about to give this car away, all of a sudden, Satan starts reminding you, you could do this with this money, you could do this with this money, you could benefit here, you could benefit here. I mean, it just starts to hit you. So we give the car away, and it's this greatest accomplishment, really. It's this greatest, man, I just love this. No strings attached. We just want to bless you because it's, God's put it on our hearts. Well, within a month, I had to pay another $800 to repair my car, a little Prius, by the way, that I had, uh, $800 on the, the air conditioner because when the temperatures in the summer got to be 95 or above, the air conditioner just wouldn't work. Turn, come to find out, somebody had put, installed the fan backwards, and so it wasn't able to cool all the way. Now, the, the, the mechanics were fine, but just the placement, the arrangement was all messed up, which cost me $800. So I'm like, okay, Lord, what's the deal? I just blessed somebody with this like $8,000 car, and now it's turning back around to me, and I'm having to pay another $800. In your heart, you start to think those. You start to wrestle that, wrestle with that. And a lot of times, God allows that stuff to see where your heart really is. Is your heart really generous? Do we really see that he is the one who provides, and he is the one who can restore, and he's the one that can, can replace? Do we really believe that? And honestly, it wasn't even until this message series, I got over it because I didn't want my heart to be there. It wasn't until preparing for this message series that I realized the situation in all of that. Now, uh, later that year, God blessed us with a van. It's the van my wife drives now. Uh, we gave also that Prius to, the, to her so she could give away. Gave it away to a young man who needed to drive it from here to Dallas. Now, I understood in preparing this message that that young man wouldn't have been able to afford the $800 to be able to fix that air conditioner. And God loves that young man. And God loves me so much that he blesses me with the $800 so that I could fix this so that he could bless this young man with that fixed air conditioning, run, well-running car. Now, you got to get it high. you got to kind of get 30,000 feet to see this, that God's a good father and he's all of our father at the same time. And he wants to use, one, use us to bless one another. You got to pull away from it's all about me because many of your minds go, well, I could have kept that $800, gave that car away, and I'd have been $800 richer. Probably not because you're missing out on everything else that God wants to bless you with and having given that $800 so that you can be a part of stewarding and helping bless his other child over here. Now, I want, before I go further, I want to leave with that right there. And when you understand that it all belongs to God, you understand that God gave it to you so that you can be a blessing. And if God tells you to give it away, you don't get angry. You don't even grieve for it. The reason is, you know it wasn't yours in the first place. It was yours to steward wherever God wants to leave it. Many, many of you may get this, this, this idea completely. Many of you may partially get this understanding. Many of you, you don't have this understanding at all. You just don't get it right now. But you've got to get it. You've got, you've got to get your mind around it. Because the greatest revelation in the world is that this is the greatest way to live. Honestly, you get, to, you get to have all this stuff, but you don't have to be, it's not yours. You get to play with it, you get to use it for a little while, but ultimately it's there so that God can speak to you and speak, use, work through you so that he can guide it, he can move it around according to how he wants to bless others. But for the meantime, you get to play with it. He's putting the toys in your lot, but he's going to transfer it at some point so you can't get so attached to it that your heart falls in love with it. Our heart starts to get connected to these things, and no, no longer do we own those things, or we possess, or we stewarding those things. Those things start to own us, and now we're becoming bondage to the very things that God is trying to use to bless others through us. So I told you about the car. Uh, and in fact, that's, uh, in fact, this is all uh, opposite of materialism, because when you're stewarding it for God's purposes, uh, it, it, you don't get attached to it. 
So this car, we get back, in fact. This young man wrecked it. Uh, we give, gives it back to us, and it's like, okay, well, okay, well, well there was that blessing. Uh, so I turned around, and, and I, I, I wanted to repair it. I was either going to repair it or replace it. I don't know. Uh, what it come down to, though, I, I, have a, I have a diesel truck as well, and it cost about $6 uh, for me to go to town and come back. Every round trip, $6. No matter how many times I do it, whichever direction I go, it's $6. And so for me, being a steward, I'm counting that $6. I'm, every time I'm going to it down another road, I'm counting how much it's costing me to go down that road. Every time, every time I push the soap, I know how much that soap is costing me to wash my hands, so I do a half push. Uh, I'm telling you, I'm not cheap. I just, I'll just steward what belongs to God really well. And so, and so, uh, so we, we're able to, though, we decide we're going to put it up for sale, and, and we do, and the, and the young lady, there's people calling from all over. Allie puts it on Facebook Market. People calling from Dallas. They're going to come get it, and one of the late young ladies that here in church, she said she came and drove it, and then she, she just loved it. And I said, okay, I got to know. I got to know right now if you're going to buy it because there's somebody literally, and they were already driving from Dallas to come buy this thing. They were 15 minutes away. She said, no, I'll take it. So I, we paid for that guy to have his gas so he can drive back. Apologize to him for that, but it was a great deal. It was a blessing to her. It's a great car. It just looks a little bit jacked up because the other guy wrecked it who took it as a blessing. But, but so what happens is I was still looking for a car. I was trying cars and testing them out and, and going and looking at them, and it's just no, no, no. You know, I'm trying to stay well under $10,000. No, because I, I don't, I don't want to keep saying $6 because now we're, you know, we're, I'm, trying to, I'm driving in town. I've got to check on things at the property out there where we're building, we're constructing, and so it's a lot of in and out, back and forth, and and so it's, I just, I need a car that's more fuel efficient. In fact, I told Allie, I said, yeah, after the last two cars we went and checked out, I said, no, Allie, I'm just going to give up. I'm just going to bite the bullet and just keep driving the truck. Well, I, t I told her this. I said, it's like, it's not really like, when you get a used car, it's like getting a new girlfriend. You never know what you're going to get. You never know what she's been through and what kind of trouble you're going to have with her. <laughs> so she, she laughed. And girl, you can, you can kind of, ladies, you can switch that around for guys as well. But real story, I did say that, and so I said, I just give up. I don't want to go through all that work again. So she looked one more time on, on Car Gurus, and she finds one three hours away in Jasper. And so we, uh, what's the catch? This thing is, you know, it's $8,000. It's $10,000 less than any other comparable car, the same car in Dallas, $2,000 less. And so we got, what's the deal? We're, we'll try it out. Call it on a Monday. If it's there on Friday, we'll buy it, whatever. We'll, we'll check it out. Well, we did. He set it up, and he's going to be there Friday. And so it was. We drove down on a Friday, checked it out. Like this thing is immaculate. It's 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 leather, black leather. It's the color that we want on the outside. It's got heated and air conditioned seats. It's got Sirius satellite radio. It's got navigation. It's got a few minor little door dings on the passenger side. That's it. And like, what's the catch? It's two thousand dollars less than any comparable in any. In fact, a year older model in Dallas. What's the catch? So I. I get in, take a test drive, doesn't take me long, like, okay, we, we want this car. Uh, it's $8,300, and so uh, I, I tell him our story. He was in the, he was in, actually, he was in Cheddar's business. He owned some cotton patches, and then he got out of the food business, so I started having conversation with him about what my wife and I do, and so he, we get back to the parking lot, and he goes over to his, to his wife, and he comes back. He says, Nathan, we're not going to charge you the $8,300. We're going to sell it to you for $8,000. Now, that's, that's God whenever you don't have to negotiate. They just start negotiating for you, and all you do is sit there. I mean, that's, that's a God thing right there. And not only that, it was $2,000 less than any comparable. And so, 
We bought it and it, we love it. And in fact, I use it for the next day. I was able to send him pictures. Hey, we used it for Rebecca's project, able to serve the community here. And so that's exactly why I use it. Why? Because it all belongs to God. So why wouldn't God favor me if I'm going to use it back for his purposes? And that's the purpose I needed it anyway, so I could better steward his money. You getting it? You see where I'm going with all this? So this is something we got to get, and you got to get it deep down in your heart. Now, and this right here is the main point that you, that you got to get. If you get nothing else from this message series, this right here. But it's in the same way that, that when people give and God blesses supernaturally, when you become a good steward, God blesses supernaturally. It's a, there's a supernatural, miraculous element that just jumps on your finances from heaven. And it's not about a budget that just lines up to the right amount at the end of the month. I'm, tell, month, I'm telling you, supernaturally, God begins to bless your finances, and money comes from places you didn't even know you could see it coming from. And if you think that if I give this offering to this church, then God's going to bless me. Yes, when done with the right heart. When done with the right heart. But when you start to position your mind and you see life and you start saying, I'm going to get my finances in order so that I can be a blessing to others, you'll start seeing more finances coming your way than you could ever imagine. Why? Because it's no longer about you. All of a sudden, you're seating yourselves in heavenly places and you're saying, God, you can use me and trust me with your finances to bless others. There's a complete different attitude of heart that comes along with that, a different level of humility. And now the selfishness is out of the way, and now you're starting to carry God's heart in your own finances as well. Now, we struggle with that, but we would have no struggle with it if we were talking about healing. God, I want to use me for healing. I want to pray for somebody so that you can heal them. Why does God bless that oftentimes? Is because it's about the other people. And it's the same thing when we get the heart on finances. It's about other people. And God used me for blessings. The good news is God blesses you also, and then you get to be a blessing. It's not just about us. So number one, you need to know God owns it all. Number two, the first belongs to God. The first belongs to God. Exodus 13, 2 says this, Consecrate to me, this is the Lord speaking, Consecrate to me the first, all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. Now, we know it all belongs to God, but God is also saying the first. For some reason, he set aside the first specifically for him. Exodus 23, 19 says, the first of the first fruits of your land shall bring into the house of your Lord, the Lord your God. You know why, you know why the, first, it's the, the first fruits belong to God? Because he didn't say, you know how I know? Because he didn't say you should give them. He said you need to bring them. Because you can't give something that doesn't belong to you. You bring it into the, into the house of the Lord because it doesn't belong to you. He has set aside the first of the first fruits for himself. That's what he calls the tithe as well. Genesis 4.3 says this, and in the process of time, it came to pass that, that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of, of the, sorry, a fruit of the ground as an offering to the Lord. Cain brought an offering, not the tithe. He did not bring the first of the first, fruit, first fruits. Get this, Abel, continuing on in verses 4 and 5, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain 
and his offering. Now, why not? And, and many of people, and here's where people start to oppose this, is they say, well, well, the tithe was under the law, and we're not under the law. And that's true. And we're not under the law as believers. But if you think that gives you a right to murder, to commit adultery, to lie, to thieve, to steal, and you, don't, you think that that won't greatly affect you, then you're deceived. And if you think it's okay for you to keep what belongs to God, it, and it won't greatly affect you, you're greatly deceived. So to help you understand, let me give you some perspective on the timeline. So Cain and Abel, remember, one brought the offering, the first, and one brought an offering over time. Cain and Abel, 4,000 B.C. is when they, around 4,000 B.C. 2,000 years later, we see Abraham, 2,000 B.C. By the way, it was another 2,000 years when we saw Christ. Well, at 1500 B.C., we see Moses, and that's when the law came. John 1 tells us this, the, the law came through Moses, and he was living in 1500 B.C. Now, now, David was around, by the way, around 1000 B.C. Now, notice this, Cain and Abel was in 4000 B.C. Moses and the law didn't come until 1500 B.C. How long was it between Cain and Abel to Moses? Mathematicians, it's 2,500 years before the law came that God was honoring one offering and not honoring another offering. 25 years before the law was given. But this is because, it's because this is a principle of God. It's the way of life. Get this. The law at, 20, at 1500 B.C. said that thou shalt not murder. Was murder still wrong when Cain and Abel were alive? So murder did not become wrong when the law came in, and nor did tithing become right when the law was set. It was a principle that the law grafted in. It was a principle already, a kingdom principle already set into eternity that the law grafted in because of the hardness of the hearts of God's people. That's why the law brought in the tithe and brought in this offering. So the tithe belongs to God, and God calls the person who doesn't return the tithe a thief. Joshua 7, you see, and Malachi 3, you can look it up for yourself. But track me with this. Proverbs 3.33 says this, The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked. Now, this word wicked literally means criminal. Criminal. Now, the curse is here. It's not like a curse like you and I would think curse, and like it's, it's wicked and evil, and it's just it's gonna, it's, it's dem highly demonic. However, it kind of is. Here's the deal. It just means that your house, the area of life, doesn't have the blessings of the Lord like it could. And any time something is removed from the Lord, what remains? Well, it certainly isn't godly. It certainly isn't favored. But get this, the next statement says, but he blesses. Remember, we've been talking about this word Barak. And Barak is like a praise and a blessing. When you come before the Lord and you kneel and you bow and you come not with this, this idea of, oh, you better give me, this entitlement. No, you come to the Lord because you know that because of his goodness and your history with him, he's just going to bless you because of who he is. So this word Barak means without any desire for in your heart to, or need or want, you're not coming to him with anything except for the fact that he is God and he is good and he is amazing. And like we just sang, he is the way maker. 
and then out of his goodness, he just begins to bless. So, but, but he says, but he blesses. That's what this word right here, blesses, is Barak. But he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. And I want you to think about this word righteous. Now, I'm going to pull back a little bit. Joshua 7 uses the word stolen. Is a criminal, is a thief a criminal? Yes. Uh, Malachi 3 says, You're, you've robbed me. Now, is someone who robs someone a criminal? Okay. You rob me because it belongs to me. This is what God says to his people because he's given definition on how the tithes should be applied and where it should be brought. He's given definition for his offerings that he requires back to him. There's a reason he requires that. But think about this word right. He blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Romans 1.17, we're going New Testament. Romans 1.17 says, For in it, this is talking about the gospel, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And this is something I want you to see because you're, you all should be going from faith to faith in God. That's when we start to hit these boundaries. That's when we talked about little baby warfare, sometimes big daddy warfare. So it's faith to faith, and it takes faith to go through the warfare. It takes faith and good stewardship to understand, how do I steward this next level of faith, this next level of, remember we talked about Jabez and bless my, bless my, my, my boundaries, my borders, right? Well, it's those borders that get pushed back in our spiritual lives that take us into new levels of understanding, new levels of faith, new levels of spiritual authority, new levels of kingdom perspective. It's new levels so that we see the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, so that his will can be done. Because in a lot of our perspectives, his will can't be done because of our levels of faith that we're at. So he's taking us from faith to faith. Who is he taking that with? Because as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. He wants to bless the house of the righteous. A criminal he can't bless. One who doesn't bring you the tithe in, he says, I can't bless you. But he wants to bless the house of the, house of the righteous. And how should the righteous live? The righteous shall live by faith. Galatians 3.11, in case you didn't catch it, now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. There it is. There it is, Pastor Nathan. See, nobody's justified by the law. That's right, because the righteous should live by faith. Does it take faith to tithe? Absolutely it does. Now, who is the father of our faith? Abraham. And we saw Abraham tithe 500 years before the law ever showed up. In 2000 B.C., in 2000 B.C., Abraham tithes unto the Lord 10% of all the spoils that he's getting, he, he received. Why? Because Abraham understood the principle that it all belongs to you, but I'm going to give you the first 10% as you require. This was 500 years before a law ever set place. Now, let me show you this in the spiritual law, our kingdom principle. Now, I've got to ask you this, and it's kind of probing. Are there kingdom principles that just work if you apply them? Some of you yet understand that, and some of you will understand that if you'll hang around long enough. There are kingdom principles that Scripture says, Scripture has, that God has put into place to, if you just apply them. Abel gave us an example, give him the first. Well, because he gave him the first, he was blessed. The tithe is a spiritual principle as well. Uh, this whole sowing and reaping, I'm, I'm spoiler alert, is a spiritual principle. We say this thing that you only get to keep what you give away. doesn't make any sense. I don't get that. Well, it's a spiritual principle because God says, or Jesus says, no one, no one in this life, if you give up all things for father, mother, house, for, for, for all these things, that won't get back a hundredfold, whether it be house, friends, whatever, 
in this life and the life to come. Now, either Jesus is a liar or I got to, Lord, I need some levels of faith to go up so I can understand this thing. And I don't think he's trying to get us to sell everything. Don't hear me because we can't steward it if we just give it away. But when it's time to give it away, we've got to be able to get, be good stewards and realize that we're not the owners of it anyway. Kingdom principles. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 15. This is where a lot of people who, who struggle with this whole thing of giving and tithing, they want to go right to this passage right here, and they, just, they, they, they take one little verse out of it, and they take it out of context according to the passage that's around it. And this is where people say, but he loves a cheerful giver. One guy that I was in a church with before, he goes, so I just give 5% because 5 is the number of grace, and I'm cheerfully do it. Well, I bet you do because you're keeping the other 5% that belongs to God. <laughs> Absolutely. You're spending it on yourself rather than giving it to him who it belongs to. He loves a cheerful giver. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. All right, There's something about sowing and reaping here. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And this is what they'll take. They say, well, well he says to whatever we purpose in our heart, that's what we should give and we should do it cheerfully. Let me ask you another question. Does God ever go against his word? No, he doesn't. So what we're seeing is there's a flat line, there's a baseline of 10%. You should cheerfully bring in that 10%, but then everything above that, you should see that there's a law of sowing and reaping that is applied to that because you will reap bountifully, it says. Let's go on. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work as it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now, may he who supplies seed to the sower, seed is for investing because seed comes back and multiplies, right? You plant a little seed of wheat, it's going it's to multiply a big bunch. A bunch of wheat is what it's called with a lot of seeds, right? Okay, so a seed is for investment. So he says he gives seed to the sower. If you're going to invest, I'll give you some seed. God says, if, you're gonna, if your heart's about the kingdom and if you can be used, I'm going to give you some stuff to invest. But he also says, I'm going to give bread to, for food. Eat this. Eat the bread, but don't eat the seed. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians are eating the seed, and they have nothing to give. And bread for food, supply. He says, so supply and multiply the seed you have, you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. He wants you to sow the seed so that you can multiply it because that's gonna, that is an example of the fruits of your righteousness. What points back to your righteousness? The fruits of sowing the seed for his kingdom and his purposes because he's going to make it abound. Now, your righteousness is proved, and you've got to live by faith in order to do that. That means by faith I've got to give in advance not knowing what he's going to do or when he's going to do it or how he's going to do it. It's about faith that the righteous will live. Verse 11 says, While you are enriched in everything with all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Meaning whenever we begin to give, we begin to begin, be, become generous and be generous, it produces many thanksgiving not only to the people around you, but to the people who are affected by the, by the finances or resources or whatever it is that God is using you to steward, to bless others with. Thanksgiving continues on because people hear that testimony and then they begin to give glory to God. Verse 12, for the administration of, the, of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, 
but it also is abounding through many thanksgivings towards God. Just explain that as well. Verse 13, while through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing. Now, what is Scripture saying that is an obedient profession of your faith? You're giving. So what is Scripture saying if you're not giving? There's no profession of your faith. And those who say God loves a cheerful giver love to talk about the cheerful giver part, but when they don't want to give because there's an issue of faith, they fail to realize, but in their not giving, they can't prove that they're truly Christians. That's not Pastor Nathan saying it. I'm just giving you the Word of God. But I will back it up because I believe it to be true, and I can stand on the Word of God because it's just right and it's authoritative. So it's when we give, and when we give generously, and when we bring into the storehouse what belongs to God, because the flat line, the baseline, the starting point is the 10%. Now people can say, that, that, is my, that, is a king of, that is the son of the king of kings. That's when God says, that's my son. That's my daughter. I can bless this individual. That is profession of faith to our obedience to Christ Jesus for our liberal sharing in them and all men. And by their prayer for you, who long for, the, long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Look at this. So a lot of people will use this because we're not under the law, we're under grace, and therefore we're under grace, we don't have to tithe, we don't have to give. Did you see anywhere in that because we're under grace, we don't have to? In fact, it's by grace that we have anything that we have. In fact, it's by grace that we're able to give. In fact, God says that he will actually make the grace that he has given you so that you can have, he will make that grace abound in you and through you by your giving and your professing Jesus Christ through your giving. You getting it? I'm trying to blow your minds open right now because we've got to become a less, a less self-focused society when it comes to the gospel of the kingdom. And this is the gospel of the kingdom. And the church is really struggling, and not the sense that we're not struggling, we're very blessed. But the church and the body of Christ, the people, are struggling with a poverty mentality because they've yet to get the understanding that it's in their hands in order to get to that place. And all i got to do is let go of this thing so God can replace it with something greater. But i got to let him get it in my heart so he can, he can truly have my whole heart so he can steward me as I'm stewarding what he's been giving me. And it comes to a relationship, and it affects every aspect of our relationship with, with Jesus Christ. Because if I'm not going to hear him in this area, how can I hear him really well in this area over here? Because faith comes by hearing. And we can hear God through the word. We can hear him through his word. So we're, we're, when we're struggling in our faith towards God, when we're struggling in this area, it, 10% seems bountiful. Remember, he says, who, who, sows, bountiful, who sow, sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Now, on this side, when we're just trying to struggle to give, 10%, because he says, then who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Well, 10% seems bountiful. But when you get on the other side of this thing, and 10% is no longer an issue, and you've actually started, started giving above and beyond, now you realize, well, 10% is only sparingly. It's just where you stand in your ability to trust God in the area of finances and resources. This is why it goes from faith to faith. And the righteous will only live by faith. And it's through this giving that it's a profession of our obedience to Jesus Christ itself. Got to get it. 
So it all belongs to God, the first belongs to God, and the tithe belongs to God. The word tithe is actually a Hebrew word, and it means tenth. It actually refers to the first tenth. So if you had a sheep back in the day, if you had a sheep and your sheep had a lamb, you would bring in the first lamb, not the tenth lamb, because it takes a little faith to trust God that he's going to provide more lambs through this sheep. So it takes faith to bring in that first lamb. It, takes, it would not take faith to bring in the tenth. Now, when, the, when God's people went into Jericho and, and the promised land, God said, bring. Remember, he said, bring. He did not say give because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. So he said, bring all the silver and gold into the house of the Lord. Why did he do this? Because it was an example of the first fruits, of them bringing all the spoils of Jericho, because Jericho was the first city that they would fight going into the promised land. And he said, I'll fight this battle before you, but you got to bring in all the spoils all the gold, all the silver, into the house of the Lord, specifically said the house of the Lord. What happened at Ai, the, the, the next battle that they were to fight, it was a little bitty pueblito, it's a little bitty town, it's this little bitty place. They're like, man, we don't need a lot of people, let's just take a few people down there. Guess what? They got their butts kicked and came running back. Why? Because somebody didn't know the level of faith, didn't have the level of faith, and they didn't know that they could quite trust God in their area of resources. And this guy named Achan decided, I'm going to keep some of this for myself. So what it caused was, caused was God's people to be able to have to struggle and to fight and to win a little bitty battle that they should have just utterly destroyed this people. In fact, they didn't win it until they gave all of that that belongs to the Lord back to him. It was only at that point that he began to fight that battle in front of them. So the tithe belongs to God. Leviticus 27.30 says this, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord's. You've got to see this because the 10% is holy. It's that 10% that blesses the other 90% that you have, that he's given you to steward. So without the 10% that's holy being brought to him, the 90%, the full 100% is not even blessed. And he can do far more with 10%, giving you the 90% than you can do with the 100%. It's an act of faith. And how the righteous live? The righteous will live by faith. Who's the father of our faith? He was declared righteousness because of what he saw in the future he gave. And sometimes we struggle with it because we want to see it right now. We live in a fast food society. We have this entitlement issue. And I don't care what the generation is. We've been trained by fast food to have it right now because our needs are right now. The bills are coming right now. It's all imminent. It's right now. And so our mind gets shifted around to right now. But faith to faith says, I don't know about right now, but I know God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I just need to be obedient right now. We struggle with that part. But I'm telling you, in every area of life, according to Scripture, he will make all grace abound to you who actually sows bountifully. And I need some grace in my life. I need God's help a little bit. I need, I need some vision from God. And I need to be able to be challenged in this so I can go from faith to faith because I know and many of you are probably tired of struggling with finances, probably tired of struggling with this little bitty battle that you've been wrestling with and wrestling with and wrestling with, and you're wondering, why don't I have any traction when God's saying, why don't you start blessing your life by bringing me in the 10% that belongs to me, and I'll fight that little battle before you. Man, it's all God. 
He's fighting our battles. He's blessing us with finances. He's blessing us with his presence. He's blessing us with his grace. And all he's saying, would you just trust me with the little bitty old 10% that I gave you anyway? I don't know if I said this last week, but it was a thought. And it's like, it's like you, I used to, by the way, I was, before Christ, I was in a, in a booking agency with my dad. And we got, it was quite an interesting deal. And so we'd take sports bets. And so it was a lot like this. Remember, and by the way, whenever, you would, whenever someone would bet through us and lose, what did we keep? Well, what, what was the fee? Not only what they lost, but 10%. <laughs> There's something about 10% that just, just works. And, and, and get this, I was, I, I, at the time before, I was, I, was, I was involved in drugs, and I was selling drugs, and, and I didn't know the Lord. I didn't know the Lord, but I did know you're supposed to tithe. That's what I heard you're supposed to tithe. And whenever I would tithe going to church because I felt bad about the things from the week, all of a sudden, and I'm not saying God did this, I think Satan used it to try to keep me further in bondage but I would sell more drugs on Sunday, Sunday afternoon than I did all week long after I tithed on Sunday. Man, I don't have any place for that in my understanding except for it's got to be in a mystery box, but there's some kind of kingdom principle that Satan doesn't want you to get this idea that the tithe truly does work, and so he keeps us in bondage according to this thing called mammon that Jesus refers to. But he's sent here to distract us and keep us from everything God has purposed us for. So it's like this, and this is where I was going with this thing. It's like, it's like God is saying, I, I, I just wish you would bet me. Like, I'm going to lay out 10 $1 bills, 10, 10, 10, $10 bills, $100. I'm going to lay out 100 And you, you, take ten, you take 110 from that, and I'll bet you my 100 You just take 10 and you can bet me on that 10 You got, you got to get this. It's all his money. So we're in a betting match with God. We're betting on his money anyway. He's given us everything that we have. When we go to the store, it's his money. When we get paid, it's his money. When we got to pay the mortgage payment, it's his money. It's his. And it's his for us to begin to steward according to his purposes. Now, I don't know why God went with 10%. All I can, all I can imagine is that it's the same for everybody. Whether you make $50,000 a year, it's 10%. Or you make $5 million a year, it's 10%. So everybody tithes the same amount perspectively. It's the same. So it's fair across the board. Nobody's being cheated. Nobody's being, you know, ah, why do I have to pay more? You don't. It's 10% because God's the one who gives you the increase. He may give you 10% increase. He may give 1% increase. He may be, it doesn't matter. Because he's the one giving incremental increases, so he's the one that gets to decide what it is that we bring back into him. Why? Because it all goes back to him. It all points back to him. The grace comes from him, and it's all about him. It's all about him. And it's not because of grace we don't have to give. It's actually by grace that we get to give. And when we are obedient here, grace abounds. And it's in our giving that we're proving this confession. You guys can come on up. It's in our giving that we're actually proving this confession. And I, know, and I know many of you struggle with it, and I know. We have a lot of generous people, so it's not one of those things where we're, we're really struggling, so you've got to have this message series. No, it's not that at all. We are a very blessed church, by the way. That's why we're able to build so young in, in, our, in, our, in our life. We're two and a half years old, and here we are building a building. It's, it's phenomenal, and we get, a lot of, we get a lot of compliments and praise and, you know, whatever. It all goes back to God anyway. But what we've got to get across the board is when we truly apply these kingdom principles, God's principles in our life with the right heart, we're actually giving him a chance to work in our lives. 
But if we won't do this, then we're not giving him a chance and we're complaining why God doesn't show up. And he's saying, I've already given you everything that you need to release the blessing. It's in your hand. You just got to trust me because the righteous will live by faith. And I'm trying to take you from faith to faith. And you can't sit still, stay in the same place and go from faith to faith. The same old, same old ain't going to work. It's what they call insanity, right? And in the first time of trial, the first push of trial, we just want to run back to what's comfortable. And then we want to blame others. We want to blame the pastor or blame the church or blame God and say, see, that's why I didn't do it before. That's why I stayed in my comfort zone. My bondage back here was a lot better than me finding out new bondage that I might be walking into. But God's going to bless you, and it's going to be favor that takes you into new areas that, yes, it will reveal new areas in your life that he's trying to work on. But he's got to get this thing out of your way so that he can actually move you into the favor and the blessings that he has. The church should be the most blessed entity in all of the world because we have all the authority. We have all the glory of God just being poured out upon us, at least the potential of. But he says, it's in your hands. It's in your hands. You've got, you've got free will, and it's in your hands. You just got to tighten up that grip a little bit and trust me to take you to those new places. So I want to pray for you today because a lot of you have been fighting that same battle, same little AI battle, this little battle over and over and over, and you've yet to come to trust God in this area of finances. His finances. And you want to why God, why won't you just fix this? Waiting on you. He's probably saying, if you're waiting on me, you're backing up. Waiting on you. Waiting on you. And maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I want to do this. I really want to do this. I'm challenged by that. I really, I'm really, I just need prayer for, for making that leap of faith. By the way, I had a conversation with a young man and he took that leap of faith this, faith this week. He said, I don't even, I, I got to borrow money just to pay my bills right now. On the other side of this, it's hard to understand. But scripture says, because we are robbed God and we keep what belongs to him, the devourer is messing us up. But when we start to give to him, it's all of a cause and effect. When we start to give what God belongs to God back to him, now he can rebuke the devourer is what his word literally says and then he can open up the windows of heaven but he's only going to keep those windows of heaven open if we're if we will steward well what he's given us because if you just waste it and become selfish it's not going to work either so i want to pray for you guys too and then there's another group that's like man i've been tithing i've been tithing i've been tithing i've been tithing and sometimes you've just been doing this thing it's become religious and no longer is it a faith to faith thing it's just uh, I'm doing it because I know that's just right to do. And now it's time to start testing God in the faith-to-faith thing and going above and beyond. My wife and I give well above the tithe, and I'm not bragging. I'm honored to be able to do that, and we do that because we realize what a blessing it is to be able to give. We used to struggle just to give $100 at an event, and this, this, this weekend, that's all we had, $100. So I immediately took it out, and we threw it in the pot, no big deal. By the time I got home, I had forgotten that we gave the $100 bill. My heart used to be so attached to that thing that I would struggle and sweat over it of how am I going to pay this because of that $100 bill I just gave. It's a blessing to be able to give. And when your value is truly in the kingdom because your heart is the kingdom, you don't care about that stuff anymore because you realize it don't belong to you anyway. 
So if you will, just get where, wherever you are with the Lord and in that place where you're just postured before him because I really want you to hear from him. And he never contradicts himself, so it's really easy. But Father, those who have been fighting that little battle and they're wondering why is it that you haven't showed up, Father, I just pray that you strengthen them and I pray that you open their eyes to spiritual things that you want to do in their lives and that you begin to take them from faith to faith. Father, I pray that you help them to begin to steward well what you own. Begin to rework the understandings of their finances so that they can begin to first give back to you what belongs, return back to you what belongs to you so that they can position themselves for kingdom blessing. Father, I pray for favor on their lives, and I pray that you just immediately begin to turn this back on them and bless them and strengthen them in their obedience of their profession to the Jesus Christ. Father, those who are wrestling with it, maybe they're not fighting that little battle, but they've just been wrestling with this thing, and, and maybe it is just the finances and trying to figure out how's this going to work, Father. I pray that you just strengthen those who have yet to begin to return what belongs to you back to you. Father, I just pray for supernatural grace to meet them right where they're at. And so in their sowing, that their reaping be bountiful and full of grace. And Father, those who have been tithing religiously, and it's no longer relationship, Father, I pray that you challenge them right where they're at. I pray that you begin to speak to their hearts of what it is that you've given them, why you've given them so much to steward and what it is that you want to begin to do through them in this next season of life. And I thank you that this principle is without parameters, and it just works for your people. So, Father, I pray for an abundant measure of grace on their lives and a, and a new perspective in their hearts. And, Father, I pray from faith for faith to faith, and I pray that they... They get, it what, get what they need, that they, they come low before you and they begin to get strengthened in you, Lord, so that they can fight the battle that is before them, so that they can walk in the things and watch how good of a father that you are and how you just take care of it through them. Father, I pray for peace to just rest over every individual in this place because I know it's not easy. And I know it's a journey. But Father, I just pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Will you guys all just stand up? We're going to worship one more time.